gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, <laughs> it is time. Guess what we're doing, folks? We are doing the summer of shitty sequels. That's right. The summer of shitty sequels. How exciting is this? So this whole summer, as the kids are getting out of school and you're wondering what to do with your time and, and what's going on in the world... We're doing the summer of shitty sequels, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to do more than just one a week, man, because I'm excited about the summer of shitty sequels. And kicking us off with the summer of shitty sequels is no greater movie than our friends, our hero, our man, our myth, our legend. That's right. Sylvester Stallone in Escape. That's right. Escape from Hades. Escape 2 from Hades. Is that what that... Let's see here. From Hades. Yes, it is Escape Plan 2 from Hades. Let me tell you a little bit about this, and then I'm going to tell you more about what we're going to do for the show here, right? So, there's a guy. It's Sly Stallone. His name is Ray Breslin. He manages an elite team of security specialists trained in the art of breaking people out of the world's most impregnable prisons. Now, why is that important? I don't know why you would have that job, but good for you. When his trusted operative, Shu Ren, is kidnapped and disappeared and disappeared in size inside the most elaborate prison ever built, Ray assembles an elite team to assist in his rescue. Dun, dun, dun. So, we're going to go over Escape Plan 2, Hades. We're also going to talk about the top 10 prison escapes of all time, if you can believe that. And we're just going to have some fun, folks. We are going to have some fun because this is what it's all about, man. Listen, we have got the summer of shitty sequels. And there's a lot of shitty sequels out there. As the movie's kicking off and getting ready, let me uh, let me share with you some of the other ones where, where I'm looking at doing, right? Some are going to be great. Cannonball Run 2. Uh, we're looking at Return of the Living Dead. We're, we already did a human centipede. We're Major League Two for sure. Summer Baseball. Universal Soldier, The Return. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hello. Is the Master. Species Two. Yeah. Police Academy Two. 100%. Gotta look at that one. Piranha 3DD. We already did. Sorry, folks. Um, Dumb and Dumber When Harry Met Lloyd. I'm on the fence. I don't know if I want to put you all through that. One that's come up on every list I looked at in preparing for the summer of shitty sequels, Speed to Cruise Control. Now, we just did Speed, so we're going to wait a little bit, but that's in there. 
Urban Legends Final Cut from 2000. The Ring 2. Whoa, hoo, hoo, yeah. Uh, we've got Basic Instinct 2. I think that's a that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Robocop 2. Death Wish 2. Um, the Exorcist 2 has been on everybody's list. Everybody's list has had The Exorcist 2. 1977. Um there's just, there's so many folks. There's so many. And, you know, you look at these, the, the worst sequels of all time, what you're really looking at is, one, the high that the first one came off of. So if the first one, let's say, was 80% accepted or 80% of people who saw it liked it, and then the second one comes out and it just plummets, it crashes to planet Earth, and it goes way down to like 10%, right? So you got a, you got a 70% swing of hate there, of just disdain, if you will. Uh, real quick, we're two minutes and 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. So there you go. You're all queued up for the movie. Guys are outside smoking, uh, outside of the prison smoking. They're in camouflage around bin fires. Horrible prison. What a horrible place to be. So, yeah, so that that's the jump that you're looking at. That's what you want to see, right? So, you know, when you look at... Um, when you look at this movie and what's happening, it's just, man, it had a horrible drop-off. Here's the crazy thing. Even with that horrible drop-off, they're like, man, that's that's a sophomore slump, son. There's going to be another escape plan coming out uh, New Year's Eve 2019. So get ready for it. So this should prepare you. So the first one met with a general critical acclaim, I guess. You, not acclaim, but it didn't. It wasn't panned as horrible by any stretch of the imagination, right? And it had 63%. Let's go, let's go escape plan one first. All right. So I just let's get let's get through this, right? So escape plan. Escape plan escape plan, just the movie. The movie, right? Is let's see here. Escape plan the movie. Here we go. Sylvester Stallone. Action film. People are loving it. And you've got you've got a general like for the movie. Not terrible. IMDB has it at a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. I'm rounding up a hair, but you're looking at 7 out of 10. So 7 out of 10, not bad, right? And that's at 200,000 votes. Here's how bad Escape Plan 2 Hades is. The summer of shitty sequels. 3 with only 19,000 votes. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got Escape Plan. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes gave Escape Plan... A strong 50%, but Escape Plan 2, a strong 10%. So, folks, this is th these are the movies that are really living and believing and preying on the fact that, one, you love the first one so much, so much, that you came to the second one. And even though you hated the second one as much as you hated the second one, right, you're going to come back for the third one. That's right. The third one is coming out on 12-31-2019, according to my inside information. Let's, um, in fact, you know what? That's my inside information from some other things. Let's see if we've got Escape Plan 3, the movie. And let's see what, uh, what Google tells us. Yeah. Related to us. Yeah, Escape Plan. Here we go. Escape Plan 3, the trailer's coming out. Oh, yeah. Escape Plan The Extractors is going to be coming out. Now, I wonder how this is going to, um, 
how this is going to pan out. Nobody knows. It might be coming out sooner than, uh, than what I was told. But still, nonetheless, coming out. So, where are we at in the movie? You're wondering? You have the beauty of the exploding camera helping you get released, right? This is the this is the thing of electronics, you know, that every that everyone does and everyone uses is that they have they have the electronics, and what the electronics do is, man, they give you insight. They they give you an instant access into what's happening as soon as you're bringing something in with moving parts. You've you've got the you've got the premise for a bomb, right? So you've got the premise for a bomb. We've got the premise for a bomb right there. He sees the red blinking light, and our prisoner knows he's escaping. <laughs> you know, I, I like I like how Escape Plan starts. Though, uh, escape Plan Two uh, starts because what you do get is instant action, right? You you instantly know there, there's no hemming or hawing about what's what's going to happen with this movie at all. In fact, if anything, you know what they do is they set it up and they're like, guess what we do? In case you forgot about the first one. That we're an elite group of people that break out of prisons that shouldn't be broken out of. We're breaking out of prisons. However, the the initial flaw is is that it's a ship prison, right? It's I mean the the guards are outside of you know of, of, of oil barrels or, or drums of, of whatever that that they've started fires in because there's no heat in the prison. So it's absolutely atrocious. So it's not like you know, and the bars don't look like real bars. It's just, man, it's not good. There's holes in the floor. Yeah, I mean, this, this seems like a very escapable prison. There doesn't seem much about this prison. This seems extremely escapable. Uh, you know, it, it seems like the guys from, you know, from, um, oh my gosh, my brain is not... Is not 100% right now, so I apologize for that. But um, the guys from Shawshank Redemption had a harder time getting out of their prison than they're getting out of this prison. I'm, um, it's early in the morning. We're doing this. I'm doing an early morning one, solo, of course, as you can tell. And this early morning solo means one thing, coffee. So I got my coffee. No beer this early in the morning. I'm not following my airport rules. I apologize if I'm disappointing anyone out there. It's um, got a busy day ahead of me. So I've got to knock this out uh, and then edit it, get it all done. I'll get it up to you guys later today. This is a same day production, but I think I might try to do one tonight with beer because I'm excited. I think I might do Exorcist two later this evening. Now that doesn't mean anything for you guys as you're listening, except for to know that that's what's coming out. Some of you have been asking, "Where's the rest of our 50 state ghost stories?" Good question. I'm gonna get around to that. I gotta find a good sequel to wrap in those other ghost stories. So we'll we'll get that done, don't worry. All right, listen, I just, ADD, I get a little distracted. And then I was driving the other day and man, the summer shitty sequels just kind of popped into my brain. And I was like, this is gonna be, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be a great summer we're gonna have. You guys, we're gonna have an amazing summer, an absolutely amazing summer, okay? Oh man, the prison just blew up. Those special effects, not very special. Not very special at all. Sly, I expect more from you. The hot wiring of the truck, always, always a win. No one ever has keys. When you're escaping, you just don't have keys. You don't. You don't at all. Here's the guy, our last guy. He's like, come on, man, let's get in. Let's go. Get out of here. Come on, champ. Mm-hmm. Good old coffee, I'll tell you. Coffee will power you through the day. Well, I mean, not the day. It'll power you through a part of a morning. It's, uh, it's funny. You know, I watch these movies, especially these action movies, and... Um, as I get a little more comfortable and situated here with the old computer, uh, as I watch these, you know, it's it's pretty interesting because I see you know the cars get shot, right, and the bullets kind of 
bounce off and what have you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a car that's had a bullet go through it, um, or you've been in a car when a bullet's gone through it. It's terrifying. It absolutely is terrifying. Do not rely, and I'm not saying that you do, but let's just say that you know you rely a little bit, a little bit, on the fact that you know what. There's some things that 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 the movies are real, right? Don't rely on the guns, folks. All right, those bullets they move through stuff. They move through a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff. I had a bullet uh, when I was working at Hertz Local Edition. We got a car returned. And it had a bullet hole through it. And that bullet hole started at the trunk, went through the trunk, through the back seat, through the passenger side front seat, through the engine, and out the grill. FYI. It didn't put off. Now, I don't know what caliber it was, and I don't care. All right? These guys, an escape plan here, too. They're not, they're, uh, they're not shooting BB guns or 22s. They're shooting big kid guns. And those big kid guns... When they brat right across the side of that old truck, let me tell you something. Should have gone right through everything. Everyone in there dead, right? Don't so don't don't look at these things that way. All right, it's just man, you got to be careful. I love this cast, by the way. Uh, this cast for Escape Plan Escape Plan Two is it's still good. That's the crazy thing, man. It's 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 a really good cast. These guys are doing well. I mean. It's, the, think about who they brought in here, right? So they've got, you know, I mean, absolutely got Sly Stallone, right? Sly Stallone, he's the bomb. He's always fun, right? Um, who else Who else we got in here for Escape Plan 2? We've got, what is his name? There's Sly working away, trying to figure out how he's going to get get out, break out of the latest prison. And you're going to have some controversy here because uh, we're going to have to fire someone soon. I love this part. We're going to talk about letting people go. He's got Sly Stallone. Yeah, Jesse Metcalf, yeah, 50 Cent, also known as Curtis Jackson. I like how they've got 50 Cent as his real name, Hush as his name on the show, and then in parentheses as Curtis Jackson. Dude, are you 50 Cent? Are you Curtis Jackson? Come on now. I don't care. Just just wondering, right? Just wondering. Jamie King, she's great. Ashley Casado, she's also fantastic. Um, Titus Welliver, dude, these are all good actors. I do want to see one thing here. This Jesse Metcalf guy, he's um, he's one of the main characters, right? Uh, handsome devil. Handsome devil has been in quite... Oh, yeah, there you go. Desperate Housewives. Johnny Tucker must die. There you go. That's where he's been at. He's, uh, he's gone. He's gone into the role. So, for those of you who don't know that haven't seen the movie, you know, maybe uh, you're not watching it, uh, but you're listening. Let me tell you. Uh, one of the guys, he kind of messes up the plan. Gets a little aggressive. Doesn't follow all the orders, kind of breaks the mold, and uh, you know what? And Sly, uh, Sly fires him. He lets him go. He lets him go. It's tough, right? It's it's tough to find that uh, that peace with people, right? That you've got to find that that mold. And this is, I think, where chemistry comes in, right? And you're, we're going to get into a little HR here, if you don't mind, a little bit of. How we work with one another, how we work with people, what 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 the world looks like when uh, when you're doing work, uh, and it's tough, man. It really is. So you know, people talk about about uh, about chemistry and making sure you know, you know 
and people get frustrated. I can't believe I didn't get that job. And you might look back, and it's, it's hard when you're not paying, when you can't pay your bills, or when money's getting tight, or when things are getting taken from you. Whatever it may be, right? It gets very difficult. However, an environment of shitty chemistry is just as difficult. And, and you have to wonder, right? Is it easier to manage your stress of trying to find the right job at the right time with the right group with the right people that will make you grow as a person, or is it easier to manage a place where the chemistry's bad, the check may be good or bad, but the chemistry's bad, you don't you're not fulfilled, and it's a different kind of stress. And you have to decide for yourself what stress you can manage, and the company has to decide for itself what stress it can manage. Right? Because there is there is an art to um to what stress you can and cannot manage. And some people are like, dude, I don't care where I'm at, right? I mean, they're just malleable. They just roll in, they don't care. Others have to find a space where they can excel and grow and, and be themselves, right? Um, now, of course, you know, you're, we're looking at the fact that, uh, quite honestly, you know, um, our guy made some bad choices and it was just more, less, less chemistry and more of him being an asshole. And I think we know because of him being an asshole, we're going we're gonna to see him later, for sure. But you might not be that person, right? You're just, you're a good person. Uh, you might have a unique personality. Like, listen, I have a unique personality. I, I do. Now, I'm not easy to work with. You know, there, there are people that will tell you, listen, I, I, love, I love Jason's thoughts and, and I don't really like how he gets there sometimes, but I love his thought process or I like this or I, uh, I appreciate this, but man, I'm wondering what's going on sometimes. Or, um, you know what, he's too aggressive or why is his energy, why is he at 100% all the time? Why, why, why? You just don't know, right? Or, hey, he's up early, but man, he, he, he's going to be gone at four because he's going to pick up his kid. Get out of here, man. Listen, I need someone here at seven and leaving at seven. I need a 12-hour person. And isn't that a weird thing? I, I, I saw this quote. Well, let me take a sip of coffee. I don't want to run this by you guys. So, man, the coffee's so good this morning. It's just, it's hitting. I haven't had coffee in, in, in about a week. So, it's really tasting good. Really tasting good. So I saw this thing. It was fascinating, right? You've got this guy. Uh, it, uh, let me let me re restate it. You've got a, a boss, and, and, a, and a young man comes into work, and it's the boss says, "Hey, uh, you know what? You're you're ten minutes late. Ten minutes late. Why? Because oh, you know, I had to uh, had to take my my girlfriend to school." And he goes, "Well, you need to figure out." how to uh, manage your life better so that you're on time. He goes, well, then why don't you start taking your daughter to school? Ha, 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 right? But, but the important part isn't what, that, the, that the kid is dating the boss's daughter and that's why he's late. That's not the important part. The important part is, is the weird thing. That as a culture and as a group, we're so, we're so focused on what time someone shows up to a job. We're really, really focused on what time a person shows up to a job. But there's never a boss that runs around and goes, hey, it's 5.01. Why are you a minute late? Why are you staying later than you should? You know, there's never a boss that comes by and says, hey, you know what? Can we work on your time management just a little bit? I've noticed you've been staying late quite a bit. And I'm concerned because you should have more family time. I'm concerned because at the very least, it is healthy for you to get out of here, go see a movie, read a book. 
experience something or anything besides this office and this culture to make you a better, more well-rounded person so that when you become a leader, your leadership skills are developed across the board in a different, unique way. That's never here, right? That doesn't happen. It never happens that when you're working that someone looks at you and says, hey, you know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to spend an hour today and not focus on work. In fact, this hour that's coming up, what I'd like you to focus on is more of you. I'd like to like you to focus on you and in focusing on you, I want you just to understand different things. I want you to read different things, nothing to do with the company, but just all about what's going to make you a better person. Fantastic fight scene in the rain here, by the way. As, as I'm doing this rant, fantastic fight scene in the rain. Really good stuff. They're doing a, I mean, doing the Lord's work here. Uh, Kung Fu City. Crazy masks. This is amazing. Boom, double kick. Both guys on their back. That's got to hurt. I don't care who you are. You fly back. and the Great neck strength, though. Great neck strength that when you fly back, you don't knock your head. Uh-oh. And here comes a super gun. Watch out, son. Yep, you're dead. You're dead. All the kung fu in the world, as my as my old man used to say, all the kung fu in the world, it doesn't stop bullets. 100% doesn't stop bullets. So back to this, you know, it, and it, it relates back to the whole overarching theme of prison and escaping prison, right? And you can bring this into work. And you, if you see your work as a prison, figure out an escape plan. The first thing you do is you sit down and you figure out an escape plan. And that escape plan doesn't mean you quit tomorrow. That escape plan means that you write down where you want to be and how are you going to get there. That's what it means. So I'm not advocating quitting tomorrow. You may have a dream. You may want to be a writer. You may want to be a podcaster better than me, knock it out of the park. You may want to be an entrepreneur and go find something. So what do you have to do to get there? What is that... What does that look like? What does that what does that seem like for you? What's that vision? Right? And what I mean by what is that vision? It's very simply it is it is what is happening in the world so that, that what is it that that's going to happen that, that can be constructed in the world for you? Right? What is that? Who knows? I mean, you've got to, you've got to lay that out first and you've got to think what's it going to cost to get there? What, and what's it going to cost of my time, your personal time? What's it going to cost of your family time? What's it going to cost of, of who you are that's going to make you grow and be better? You just you have to think about those things as you lay this out, as you break out of your prison, as you create your escape plan. Hopefully your escape plan is better than escape plan to Hades. Hopefully it's better. Hopefully it's rewarded more. Hopefully you get more than just your money back. Hopefully you excel and win at it. Right? These are the things that you really, really want to do. So look at it this way. If you're, you know, and, and you've really got to, if you're a boss and you're running a company, I want you to ask yourself the question. Why are you so concerned about people being on time in the morning but don't care if they stay late? A. B. As much as you bust people's balls for showing up late, how come you're not busting their balls for staying lit? Okay? See, as much as you want people to know about your business and strategize about that, 
what makes them their mind healthy is what makes them healthy. And in that level of healthiness, where are you? Where are you at? Are you helping them be healthy? I'm not talking yoga and some dumb crap like that. I'm talking about making sure they get out, making sure they vacation, making, making sure they do the right things at the right time for themselves so that they're better for you. You're letting them work from home? What are you doing? What's different about the world that you're doing, right? What is it? Well, I don't know. Well, you got to figure it out. For the employee, so that's the boss. You're the warden. You might be running that prison. And if you're running a prison, hey man, change your tune. If you're an employee and you're in that prison, figure out a way out. And like I said, it's not quitting tomorrow. It's figuring a way out. And that way out is pretty simple, man. It really is. What's your dream? What's your goal? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Does that take more experience? So do you need to, do you need to work a little bit harder in this prison? Does it take a little more of that? Yes or no? If it does, okay. If it doesn't, that's okay too, right? But you've got to you've got to, you got to lay that out. Understand where you want to go, and then and then how you're going to get there, and then lay it out, and then see what parts you can artificially accelerate and what parts you cannot accelerate. And you're just you just you have to you, you got to bump and grind, man. You just got to get it done. Get those things done to escape your prison. Escape your prison and also do some other healthy things for yourself as you're getting ready to escape that prison. A. Meditate. Get some time by yourself. Really clear your mind. B. Start eating healthier. Right? It's just, just you got to start eating a little bit healthier. Get a little bit of exercise in. I'm not saying you have to start, you know, you know, Cam Haynes running a marathon a day, right? But start exercising. Get a little bit in at night. While you're thinking about what you want to do, when you're wondering what you should do, mix in 100 push-ups, 200 sit-ups. You're thinking, geez, at a time? No, man, just do 10, 20. Just do 10 or 20, whatever it may be, right? Have that, and then in that, boom. What do you got? All right, you got, you got a, little, a little blood flow. You got a little extra blood flow going in. Boom. Recirculate in the mind, getting excited about where you want to go, what you want to be, everything. And it gives you a little clearer perspective, even just that little bit. And start with that. That also gives you something you're, you're accomplished. Create a list so that you can accomplish things, right? So that every day you've accomplished something a little bit, you've got a, a step closer to your goal. It might be saving some money so you didn't go out and spend when, when usually you would spend. It might be finishing an outline, it, whatever it is. Create those daily goals. Create the goals at your prison that you have to get done so that you can escape. Create the goals for the strategy for what you want to do for when you do escape that you're, you're best prepared for, for what's ahead. And that might be going to a networking event. It might be joining a, a group on Facebook or a networking group somewhere else on LinkedIn, whatever those things are, find them and go after them. Escape your prison, man. Seriously. There are too many people in prisons right now. They're just, and, and, they're, and I'm not just talking about the real prisons out there. I'm talking about the work prisons, the debt prisons, the relationship prisons, because you're scared. Because you're scared of what's going to happen. And guess what? Here's the beautiful part, Right? Here's, here's the one thing I want you to think about. In all of this, in, in everything, in, in, the, in the prisons you're trapped in, think about why you're trapped there. Think about why you're stuck there. Because you want control. Hold on, I've got to drink some coffee, then we're going to go on this control thing. 
So your whole aspect is, I want control, right? Well, I can control this. Well, I've got bills and they're controlling me, or I've got this and I'm in this bad relationship, but you know what? It's better than not being in a relationship at all. And I have to, <laughs> is it? Is it better? You better stop. You better think about, you better watch, watch your mouth. Seriously, watch your mouth. Because the reality is, is that it's, it's not about that at all. In any way, shape, or form, it's not about that. All right? What it's about, quite honestly, it's about you and thinking that you're in a controlled environment. And being in that controlled environment, you feel, even if the security of that controlled environment, even if the security is pain, it's something that you can feel every day so you feel secure about it. That's the crazy thing. And here's the craziest part. You don't control shit, man. An asteroid could hit tomorrow. A volcano, Yellowstone could blow. Pop goes the weasel and the weasel goes pop. And guess what? North America, we're done. We're melted. You think Pompeii was bad? Oh, <laughs> champ, let me tell you something right now. North America, melted. Los Angeles, gone. You have two or three of these big boys go off like Yellowstone, right? And and now you're, now you're in the world of Graham Hancock where a civilization is gone. Only the strongest hunters and survivors, that only those people live to pass on. Could you imagine, right? Think about all the cool, crazy shit we have. Think about it all. And it's all on hard drives. And there's very few books and, you know, five big, huge Yellowstones pop. And 95% of the world's population is gone. Cities are melted. Roads are melted. Just bleh, gone for massive, crazy, massive, crazy, crazy volcanoes. The hot magma, the lava coming down, bloop, 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 gone. 5% survive. Hunters, gatherers. The true hunters, the Cam Haynes, the Joe Rogans, right? These guys that go out and bow hunt, you know, they, they don't need guns to hunt. They've got their nut. They're ready, right? They're ready for this apocalypse style thing. And they're riding down on caves and they're trying to find parchment or they're trying to create paper. They're trying to do something just to remember all the things because the books are gone. The computers are gone. The cities are gone. The roads are gone. You're now just looking for that animal that survived so that you can eat it so you can survive. You might have what is a nuclear style winter where the, the, the dust and the dirt and the debris and the ash from the volcano rises up so high it just covers the earth and puts us in almost a deep freeze as the cities melt. The sun can't break through. And we have a mini ice age. You're wondering, the oceans get hot from the lava and some of the fish die and all this stuff happens. But in all of that, the 5% that survive tell stories about computers, tell stories about flying, tell stories about what seems like mind-to-mind -mind communication, wireless headsets talking to one another, talking globally, face-to-face, -face, without, without having the person having to be there, Right? And now that sounds like make-believe. Talking about an animal that has the coloring of a cheetah or a leopard, a 15-foot-long neck, really long legs, little tiny horns, right? A weird body, and the giraffe. Talking about the rhino. And what is the rhino? 
the you know the fat unicorn of the world, the real unicorn of the world, right? Uh, talking about the anteater, you know, going after antelope and elk and grizzly bears and kodiaks and all of these things as the earth begins to rebuild, as we begin to repopulate, as we travel around and and at first we're together and then we're separated again and our differences are highlighted and they're brought together and vice versa, back and forth, all of those things. And, it, and we're reborn again as a world, right? So now it makes you wonder if the flood, what was society like before the flood? Did all of that exist before? Not necessarily roads, but was there technology? Was there, was there flood? Were, were there things and that because they were transcribed by the, by, the, by the survivors and not by the technologists that they just broke it down into simple terms? The way that some people get hired, they take very complex things, they break them down to simple terms so those people get money and they make the complex things and they put them on the front that makes simple. You don't have to know how the algorithm works or how other things work. All you have to know is, is that it works and you can show that it works on a simple UI. There it is. Right? Maybe that was it. But I'm telling you all of this to let you know this. You're not in control, asshole. You're not in control. So stop trying to pretend like you are in control. Stop thinking, stop looking, stop acting like you are in control. So in now, now getting the power and knowing that you're not in control, now understanding as a person and looking and pulling back and saying, you know what, I'm not in control. Holy shit, I'm not in control. I'm not in any way, shape or form, I'm not in control. Think of the power that gives you to make different decisions. Now you're not now you're not hamstringed by by being in a bad be, being in a bad situation, right? Now you're not stuck. Now you're now you're not here wondering and going, okay, well, this is my prison and, and I and I'm I'm stuck here. Now you're not. You know why you're not now you know why you're not stuck? I'll tell you why you're not stuck. Because you're not in control. So if you're not in control, now think of the rebelliousness you can have. Now think of the planning you can, you can do. Now think of the way that you can attack the world. Because tomorrow never comes. We know that. But today is also not guaranteed. You can get hit by a bus. The big, old, the big old meteor can come down. Who knows? And who fucking cares? You're not in control. So why do you care? Why are you worried about it? Why are you getting all, why, you know, in something that you, that, that, that you don't know bigger than you is not going to happen, then at least you know that you can plan for your day for yourself, that you can go out there and be like, you know what, the world could end tomorrow, the world could not end tomorrow. But what I can do is I can make attitudes, make myself happier. I can make adjustments, make myself happier. I can... I can do things to escape the prison that I've put myself in. And that's the other thing. You can, seriously, respect and honor this. And I do mean this, folks, for real. Let's not kid ourselves in any way, shape, or form. You put yourself in that prison. All right? Own it. Just own it. Just like you don't know when the asteroid's coming, when you don't know when Yellowstone's blowing, when you don't know what's happening... You put yourself in that prison, oh, okay? And maybe you put yourself in that prison with the best intentions. Maybe it was a job that you were just going to do for two years to make some money and then go pursue your dream and you got caught. 
and you started spending what you were making. Or you're saving a lot and you're just like, you know what, instead I'm just going to retire in five years. That's what I'm going to do instead. I'm just going to retire. So who cares? I don't know. But don't trip. You put yourself there. You did. 100% you put yourself there. And that's okay. As long as you own and recognize that you put yourself there, you can then take yourself out. Right? What if it's daddy's company? And, and you know what? The expectation was not for you to be successful in your own dreams and passions, but the expectation was 100% for you to follow in dad's footsteps. And that's your prison, is following in, your, in the footsteps, right? Versus being your own person. You know, I have the pleasure to work with a lot of people that have famous, very talented very successful people above them, whether they're fathers or aunts or uncles or mothers or brothers or sisters, right? And they just, I mean, amazing, amazing things. And the hardest thing for them across the board, the hardest thing absolutely is what? Is finding out if they can be their own person, A, or B, if they have to follow in the footsteps and they just don't know. And they don't know what to do sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some follow in the footsteps and they just go, you know what? I just don't care. Others, whew, man, they don't. They, they, uh, they break free. And they struggle at first. They really, really struggle at first. But when they're finally free, when they've finally done what, they, what, what they've wanted to do, when they've reached their pinnacle, when they've reached their height, there is nothing better nothing better for them. It's absolutely amazing, right? I mean, they reach that height and it explodes with joy. Absolutely explodes with joy. And you've got to, you've got to wonder, I mean, was it easy getting there? No. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He was, he's making more money than he's ever made in his life. More money. And I told him, I said, seven, eight years ago, if I would have told you every month you'd be cashing checks like this, what would you say to me? And he'd say, man, I just want to get my rent paid. You've got, to, you've got to understand, he had a dream and he had a goal and he had an accomplishment that he wanted to make, something he wanted to do, right? But in doing that, it took him a long time. I mean, not a very long time, but it took him time. It took him perseverance. It took strength. It took courage. It took risk. He broke out of prisons. He broke out of prisons to break into freedom. And in doing that, all of a sudden, he won. He won. Now he's got his financial freedom. Now he has everything that he's ever wanted, not for himself, but so that he can continue to grow. And that's the crazy thing. Not for himself, but so that he can continue to grow. You know, his dream doesn't stop because he found some success. His dream is now fueled because he worked for that success, because he broke out of those prisons, because he did the things he was supposed to do so that he could win. Think about that for a minute, man. Just, just pause for the cause for just a minute and think about that. And just think about that. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. 
that that's that that's the thing, right? It's pretty crazy that that you know you you, you, you we look at this world and we look at where we're at uh now, and so few of us have a plan of where we want to be later, or we have that plan, but it gets hard. It gets really hard, and in it getting really hard, it distracts us. And that's why I say you got to make your daily goals. You got to you got to put this out and be like, all right, well, what am I doing today though? What's happening today? And if I know what's happening today, cool. But then, all right, we're all good. What's happening today? What's happening tomorrow? You know, you don't just walk over and climb Everest at all, all right? You start walking up some hills. Then you maybe you do a, you do a big hike, but you prepare and you get ready for it. Absolutely, you do. So, now what do you do now, right? Boom, you go after it. You just, you have to go after it. But you have to go after it in baby steps. Absolute baby steps. You know, you you can't always have the big picture in mind, but have the small picture in mind so you can trace back and find and see your success. It's absolutely crucial for you to do that. It's crucial for you to do that. Figure it out. Oh, man, who would have thought that uh, the kickoff, the kickoff to the shitty summer sequels, shitty summer sequels, the kickoff would also be a motivation of how you're going to escape your prison. Huh? Who would have thought that? You know, you're sitting down, you're like, man, this is action. This is Sly Stallone. Adrian, this is it. We've got it. Boom, boom, boom. Shitty summer sequels. And what do we, what do we get out of this? get a little motivation, champ. You get a little love. You get a little rat-a-tat-tat. That's what you get. Man, this is what it's all about, though. This is this is the sharing part. This is the this is what talking during movies is really all about, right? I mean, yeah, it's about having some beer. It's about having some fun. It's about having some laughs. It's about looking at some crazy, crazy things in this world. 100% it's about all of those things. But you know what it's also about? It's about these conversations because you have these conversations, you know, one of the dreams in doing this was creating these conversations, these ideas, these motivations for people, right? For people that just, that, and their friends, and, and, and if they're not recreating, then creating moments that you can then take back to your group of friends and have these conversations. That you can take back to the, to the porch drinking beer buddies. That you can take back to the end of the bar guys and go, hey man, what's your prison like? And they're like, my prison? Dude, you're always bitching about your job. What's your prison like? What's your escape plan? I got a friend. Man, he's in prison. Of jobs, he really is. He's in a prison of jobs, but I don't know that he has an escape plan, you know. And all we want is the best for him. And you know what? This will motivate me. This this little piece right here, this first forty minutes, this will motivate me to uh, to really get after it and really help him out. So hopefully it will. We'll see, right? We'll see. We got what? We got thirty, forty. We got fifty minutes left. I think. I think we got almost an hour left. So hang on. Because we're going to go into some other things. We're going to take a drink here really quick. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, as promised, I want to look at... So they've now... You know, you've got, you've got Sly's team just to keep you on pace with what's happening in the movie. Because I know you guys care a lot, right? Our guy from Johnny Tucker, Must Die, has, has broken into the prison. So he's gotten himself caught, if you will. He's broken into the prison. And that's, you know, listen, this this is going to happen, right? As he's breaking into the prison and they're trying to, you know, in 50 Cent, he is nervous as all hell. As you're breaking into the prison to find out what's going on, 
Let's also, let's talk about the people that more importantly break out of prisons. And let's look at from the Oxford Castle and Prison from the UK, their top 10 prison escapes of all time. The top 10. These are the ones that they're like, these are the people that you watch out for. This is what it's all about. So I'm going to read you a couple of these. We're going to talk, talk through them. We're going to get through a couple, right? And then we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll chat some more here. But let's, let's look at this first, right? So I am going to butcher the number 10 because uh, I just, I am. Yoshi Shiratori. Yoshi Shiratori is best known for escaping from prison four times in three years. Hey, folks, four times in three years. Solitary, man. After being convicted of murder, he was sentenced to life plus 23 years imprisonment. Okay, well, that makes sense. Shiratori escaped from Aomori Prison in 1936. Well, that's when prisons were shitty. See, this is my hard thing. Prisons get better and better. You know, I'll tell you what, the uh, the escape plan people, escape plan one, escape plan two, coming up escape plan three, right? All these prisons are super dope. Seamless, you know, steel, lit, oddly, uh, electric floors, you know, no no visible vents. I mean, all of this stuff. It's crazy. 1936, man, it was plywood. It was some bullshit rattlesnake sitting off to the side. Stop your nonsense, right? He was uh, recaptured after his escape in uh, 1936 uh, from, and was recaptured and escaped from Akita prison in 1942. In 1944, he rusted his handcuff and an inspection hole with miso soup before escaping from Abashiri prison. Stop giving him miso soup or take some salt out of it. Super simple. He was caught again in 1946. Sapporo District Court sentenced him to death, which caused Shirish Shiratori to desperately find a way to escape, and in 1947, he dug a tunnel and escaped for the fourth time. In 1948, he was recaptured after admitting to a policeman that he was an escaped convict. His death sentence was revoked, and Shiratori eventually served 26 years before getting paroled in 1961. I wonder what made him turn himself in. See, that's, that's the more interesting part to me, is that he's out, he's free, so he keeps getting caught. So what we know about Shiratori is, is that if you put him in a box, Shiratori is getting out. However, outside of the box, outside of the constructs of the box, outside of this world where it's like, oh man, I'm stuck in a box, right? Tick in a box. Then he doesn't know what to do and he keeps getting caught again and again and again. So you're not good at hiding, but you are good at breaking out. You're not good at, at being free, but you're good at getting free, right? Know your role. And his role was, I can get free. I mean, he really should have, after the third time, he really should have uh, really just sat down and been like, you know what I am? You know, I'm, I'm good at this. Let me get at all your shitty 1930s, uh, early 40s prisons. And then I, I, I'm, a, I'm wondering what happened to him in 1961 when he was free what that was like for him i mean did he just do puzzles all day long it's crazy that's absolutely crazy now let's go to the good old us of a johnny dillinger whereas he was formerly known as john herbert dillinger jr was an american bank robber during the depression era who robbed two dozen banks and four police stations during his crime scene. first of all the balls to rob a police station good for you man i mean that's just the rich and creamy cojones 
to be like, I'm going to rob a police station. I'm so much better than the police. I'm going to rob the police station. So he escaped from prison twice in his criminal career. Not as good as our other boy, uh, Shiratori, but still not bad. During a period in, in jail in Indiana, Dillinger befriended a series of seasoned bank robbers who taught him to be a successful criminal. After being released at the height of the Great Depression, Dillinger immediately returned to crime. After robbing two banks, he was captured and imprisoned in, in Lima in the autumn of 1933, once again the era of shitty prisons. Dillinger used his time in jail to aid the escape of a group of inmates who he had met during his previous jail term. Inmates smuggled guns into the prison cells. See, this is the time of shitty prisons. It's the summer of shitty sequels. It's the time of shitty prisons, which they used to escape for four days after Dillinger had been captured. The group then returned to prison, impersonating Indiana state prison officers and successfully released Dillinger from his cell. That's good friends. Good friends. The time of shitty makeup. I mean, this is when they were, I mean, you could, you could use a candle and pretend it was a fucking ghost. People were not smart and everyone was drunk. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but during this time, any time before 1970, just generally speaking, people are drunk because there's no fresh water to drink, right? There's just, all the water's dirty. There's Giardia. You're shitting through a screen door. It's all gross. It's nasty. All right. So I'm just saying everyone's drunk. After another series of bank robberies, Dillinger was captured again in 1934 and sent to Crown Point Jail. The police boasted to the media that the jail was escape-proof. 1934, everything you can escape. This proved wildly untrue when Dillinger crafted a fake pistol from a piece of wood, supposedly using shoveling in, shelving in his cell and a razor to carve it. It's a sharp razor. Hey, dude, watch your face. Dillinger tricked a guard to open the cell and then took 17 men hostage before luring the guards back to the cell block and locking them in his own prison cell. He then fled. Dillinger evaded police across four states before meeting his end on July 22, 1934, when a tip-off led to the shootout in Chicago. Yep, Dillinger, dead. First of all, shitty prisons, everyone's drunk. Don't, don't judge these people because they got faked out by a wooden gun that he carved with a razor. Don't judge them. They were all drunk, all right? The only thing they had to drink that was whiskey and beer is all, the, is all they really had, whiskey and beer. So don't, don't judge them, all right? Be nice, okay? Everyone's drunk and prisons are super shitty. Guns are horrible. And whoever the little, you know, narc was, the little Sally out there who decided to make, make sure during the Great Depression that everyone knew that, you know, where Dillinger was. I mean, this, the, the, the Great Depression, the, the first great theft from the American people, a real, a real stealing moment, right? A moment when, when they just came in like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to steal from you. I'm going to take everything from you because I can. And that's exactly what they did. They stole and this was the first great theft where the rich got richer, the poor got poor, and the middle class disappeared, right? Now, it, in, in some capacity, it did create a lot of, a lot of jobs, but it also was, was the great trickery of really inviting and bringing in the federal government more and more into our lives, changing taxation, changing the way we looked at people, changing the way we looked at wealth, creating an artificial division where at the time, right, there, there, there was a real thing of us wanting, yearning, and going after a dream. And not saying that we don't have that now, but just saying that wanting and yearning of going after a dream 
was, was also instead of fueled by passion of growth, it was fueled by, I'm going to get you sucker. And that's a different, that is a different motivation and it changes. And you look at the way it changes. Now you look at the way you see the wealthy or a Jeff Bezos or, or a Bill Gates, right? Well, you, you look at the way you see them or look at the way you see them middly rich, the hundred millionaire, right? But the way you see them, that, that uh, small dick, probably trying to fry a small dick, huh? Yeah. Look at look at the, it, it's not, man, I hope, I, one day I want to get somewhere. It's instead, you know what, I, I can get here and I'm excited to be with that person. Now it's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to that place and I'm hopefully also going to knock that person down. It just, it changed. There was, there was a rhetorical shift. There was, there was a psychic, there was a, there was a mental shift. And in those shifts, what do we create? We created divisions. And in creating divisions and then letting government come in and fuel those divisions with funding, by funding those divisions, we're at where we're at today. Where now it's it's handouts, it's bailouts, it's 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 the saving grace of certain things. And you just it's tough, man. It's tough. But you, the Great Depression, our, our our first the first great theft of the United States. All right. Let's look at Alfred George Hines. Alfred George Hines, a British criminal. British. If you guys seen Sexy Beast, great caper. I mean, we might have to do, after the summer of shitty sequels, we might have to do uh, Sexy Beast, a fantastic film. All right. He successfully broke out of three high-security prisons while serving a 12-year prison sentence. Three high-security... Let's, let's look at the dates. Don't get excited. What did we learn from the first two? What did we learn? A lot. And what, what has that been? It's been that all of this stuff is dog shit. So he first escaped from a prison in Nottingham Prison in 1958. Summer of shitty prisons. Where he managed to get through a locked doors and a 20-foot prison wall to his freedom. This feat earned him the name Houdini Hines. Nice. There you go. He traveled throughout Europe during this time. Um... Uh, on the run, working as a paint decorator before being apprehended. 248 days of freedom. There you go. Hey, listen, not bad. Not bad. Almost a year. Good for you. Hines used his rearrest to his advantage, bringing a lawsuit against the authorities and hence finding a reason to be escorted to the law courts. Accomplices supplied Hines with a padlock, with a padlock and attached screw eyes onto the toilet cubicle so that while... Being escorted to the toilet, Hines bu uh, bundled the two guards into the cubicle and then locked them in. Okay, I don't really understand, but I, I, I generally get it, right? Escaping to the Fleet Street, Hines made it for the airport where he was captured five hours later. His second escape, not as good as the first. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Hines' third and final prison escape came less than a year later when he escaped from Clemsford Prison. He fled to Ireland, where he lived two years under an assumed name, before being stopped, driving an unregistered car and rearrested. Following his eventual release from Parkhurst Prison, Hines became a member of Mensa. Well, I can understand why you're a member of Mensa. However, you're driving an unregistered car. So I'm going to say the standards of Mensa were lower back then, A, because everyone was drunk, B, happy for you and that you finally got out of prison the right way, and C, it never works when you escape from a courthouse because there's so many people there and they hear that noise and they understand what's going on. And in, in all of that happening, boom, you're going to get busted. All right. It's just, listen, man, it's too much going on. Absolutely too much going on. 
Let's, this has come up when I was doing my research. This came up a lot and I didn't want to read any of it. But I, what I like to do is I do the research is I like to just try to figure out exactly what's happening. Like what are, what are the top pop popular ones, right? So Exorcist 2, The Heretic, right? Like, you know, that this is on everyone's worst sequel. I mean, you went from a 90% success rate to a, to a 2% success rate as far as what pe- people liking the film. So when you look at all of that, it's like, holy shit, what is happening? Well, there you go. So we got we've got we've got a couple of people here, number seven and number six on our list. That's that's pretty pretty amazing, right? So number seven, John Gerard is the only person ever known to escape from the notorious Tower of London. A Jesuit priest, Gerard was imprisoned for continuing to preach his Catholic beliefs when the church was under heavy persecution from the Elizabethan England. So this is a long time ago. But still, this guy in every list is celebrated. During his imprisonment, he endured several interrogations after being tortured for information he never broke, but he was eventually sentenced to death for his crimes. Listen, I don't know what the Catholic Church was like back then. I'm assuming it was just as bad, just as shitty, or just as awful as as it is now, which means sex with young boys, rape, horrible, horrible things happening. Just listen, that ca- I... The, the basis of the faith, not the religion, the basis of the faith, right? I can understand and I can generally get behind. Minus the, the doing of works. I can generally get behind it. But the gross manipulation of the religion to the faith is where is where there's the why in the road. It's where it's where I have a, a big, big problem, right? And who doesn't? So, anyways, desperate to escape, Gerard communicate with allies on the outside via smuggled notes. Written in invisible ink, made from orange juice. Good for you. That's pretty smart. These allies rode a boat into the tower's moat, and Gerard was able to escape by using a rope thrown up to him. Cheating death after almost falling because of his tortured hands, Gerard managed to climb down to the boat, flee England, and live the rest of his life in Rome, in the catacombs, with ten young boys, because he's a piece of shit. But his escape was good. And maybe he wasn't like that. I shouldn't judge him as being like that. Maybe he wasn't. Who knows? I can just tell you this. Once again, the why in the road is from the faith and the understanding to the religion and the manipulation of that faith so that people in power can get what they want. So men in dresses and funny hats can get what they want. And whether that's helping Nazis or whether that is molesting young children or hiding those molesters of people, or stealing artifacts, whatever that may be. The Catholic Church has done a doozy with it, an absolute doozy. Now, here's the other one. And the rest, I mean, there's one more that's a big one, but this one, everyone's list, right? There's, And if you've heard of it, enjoy this little paragraph. But this is the Texas Seven. A group of prisoners dubbed the Texas Seven escaped from the John B. Connolly Unit on the 13th of December, 2000. So now here we go. Now we're in the modern era. People are sober. There's accountability. There's electronics. There's video surveillance. There's real guns. You can shoot someone from a mile away. Uh, this, this takes real planning. This takes manipulation and probably some of paying off, right? So an elaborate scheme devised by the group led to the group overpowering and restraining 16 people, including supervisors, officers, and three uninvolved inmates. Once overpowered, clothing, credit cards, and ID were taken from the victims 
and used to impersonate civilians at the back gate of the prison. So this is, this is where all of your best technology, everything you have, everything you see, everything you do, everything that's been brought together, just like in the world of security is the same in the world of prisons. Your weakest link in the modern era is the person. Back in the day, your weakest link was a boozed up person in a shitty prison. Now the prison can be perfect, but it still comes down to the people, right? And the people got tricked. And so four of the offenders stayed behind to make phone calls to the prison tower guards to distract them. The rest raided the guard tower and stole numerous weapons and then stole a prison maintenance pickup truck in which all seven drove away from prison. They were apprehended just over a month after. Six of the seven were placed on Texas death row while the seventh, Larry James Harper, committed suicide rather than to return to prison. Well, I mean, sir, that's... We don't condone suicide on this podcast in any way, shape, or form, and we're sorry that you felt you had to take your own life because you fail at escaping from a prison for a long period of time, which I'm sure you were there for a good reason. Okay, we're going back, back, back in time. Now, the weird thing about going back in time, there is a difference between the 1100s, 1200s, the time of kings and queens when there was stone and torture and you were just buried underground in a hole versus... The cowboy era of the 1800s, early, you know, 17, 18, early 1900s, where you're just there and it's just, it's a bullshit. I mean, you go to these ghost towns, you see these bullshit prisons. They're absolutely, absolutely horrible. So, Empress Matilda, the autumn, Empress Matilda, the autumn of 1142, Empress Matilda was besieged in an Oxford castle by soldiers loyal to her cousin Stephen. Stephen with a PH. You don't trust him. It's like Jeff with a G. Fuck yourself. The battle labeled the anarchy was raging across the country in the crown of England. Stephen, grandson of William the Conqueror and Matilda, his cousin, both laid claim to the crown and took took in turns to lay siege to one another's strongholds. The siege at Oxford Castle lasted three months. Matilda's epic escape came from one freezing, snowing night in December. Weather. It's an interesting factor, right, to play into your escape. When, according to legend, she wrapped herself in a white cape and fled on a makesh- on makeshift ice skates across the ice to Wailingford Castle. She skated. She was the first Olympic freestyle skater. This is amazing. A truce was decided to end the battle, with Matilda agreeing that Stephen could keep the throne as long as her son Henry became his heir. Suspiciously, Stephen died not long after this agreement was forged, allowing King Henry II to make to take the throne. You can discover more about the Empress Matilda and the more incredible stories on her guided tour at the Oxford Castle. Huh. Well, there you go. Let me tell you something. You Listen, if you escape from prison, if you escape from prison ice skating with a white sheet, let me clear my throat. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is awesome. I don't care if everyone's drunk. And everyone at that point in time in the world is drunk. There's not a sober person alive they're all drunk you have to, you only live till you're like 40 anyways you 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 die of dysentery or you die of, of toxic shock syndrome by by hangnail all right you are you are boozed out of your gourd all you're doing is boozing up at that point in time it is booze booze central bam and you escaped on ice skates to be sober enough to ice skate on a cold winter night, I'm impressed. All right, now, for, for all of you wondering, um, for us, 
thanks to Clint Eastwood, thanks to becoming a, a historical national park, thanks to the wonderful city of San Francisco, the most popular, at least in, in American culture, as far as I can see in all of my research, is the escape from Alcatraz, right? And it's fairly modern, but more importantly, it's, it's very isolated. I, one of the things that, that's crazy about the escape from Alcatraz is, is the isolation aspect of it, right? It's, it's just the isolation. So hold on here, cocktail time. And by cocktail, I mean coffee. So in June 1962, three prisoners of the notorious Alcatraz Island escaped and then mysteriously went missing. A plot devised by fellow prisoner Alan West saw Frank Morris and John Anglin and his brother Clarence spending two years digging an escape route through the cell walls and building a raft to sail to freedom. Dummies were placed in the three prisoners' beds to fool the prison guards, so it was not until the following morning that the guards discovered they had been gone. Parts of the raft and life preservers were later found in the bay along with some prisoners' personal effects. Leading investigators include the men had drowned or been eaten by sharks or actually escaped. The FBI officially closed the case December 31st, 1979, concluding no credible evidence emerged to suggest the men were still alive. However, no bodies were discovered. Alcatraz? Yeah, no bodies discovered. Alcatraz is still there, right? So it's now a park, but you've got to think. I mean, that the, the cold water, the brutal waves, the crazy currents, the sharks, the boats, everything happening now becomes the will of the man, the will of the people, right? Where it, what is that will? What is that push? What is that, that drive? Yeah, I mean, if you're in prison and you dug for two years, if you didn't find a body... I would tell you that if you didn't find a body and you know someone dug for two years and then built a raft, they made it. All right, that's just my 10 cents, but I believe they made it. As we're getting through here, um, I think the whole team now is in the prison, except for except for um, 50 Cent and the, uh, the young lady and the big bald guy. The, the prison part of the team, right? So you got Johnny Tucker, Mustafa, you've got the Asian guy, and you got Sly Stallone. All of those, all of them are, uh, they're in the prison. They've been, they've allowed themselves to be caught. So once again, as they're breaking into the prison, guess what, folks? We're breaking out of the prison. So, oh, and lots of, and there, there's, the, there's the, the fight initiation going on. And Sly is getting his ass kicked by just a ton of prisoners. He is not doing his rocky moves by any stretch of the imagination. Come on, Stallone. All right, so let's go Ronnie Briggs. Ronald Arthur Briggs, as he's officially known, more, but, you know, also known as Ronnie Briggs, is infamous for his role in the Great Train Robbery of 1963 and for his 36 years living as a fugitive until voluntarily surrendering in 2001. This is kind of, now this is one of our most successful escapees, Correct. Right. Initially captured and sent to prison for his part in the Great Train Robbery, Briggs only served 19 months of his prison sentence before escaping from Wadsworth Prison on July 8, 1965. So, mm, kind of shitty time. You know what? And he did it by scaling a wall with rope, with a rope ladder and dropping on to a waiting van. So, also, super shitty prison. I'm just going to call it out. Just not a good prison. All right. Listen, if, if I have time to build a... Um, 
a rope, uh, uh, a, a rope ladder, and then go out there and toss it over the wall, and then a van's waiting for me and no one notices, that you're a bad prison. You're just a bad prison. Right? He fled to Brussels by a boat and then on to Paris where he acquired a new identity and underwent plastic surgery. This, this is like face-off. This is craziness, right? His 36 years in the run were spent predominantly in Australia and Brazil. And good for him. I like it. On May 7, 2001, Ronnie voluntarily returned to the UK and was immediately arrested and imprisoned. He served eight years in jail before being released um, and compassionate grounds in 2009. He died in 2013. There you go, man. Hey, listen, he did plastic surgery and then he turned himself in. He's like, I'm tired. I'm just tired. And I get it. Let's be honest. All right? I would be tired too being on the run, even after plastic surgery and a new identity and bouncing around different countries. Every time... You've just, you've got to, you've got to be careful, man. Um, you just got to remember that it's, it's tough, folks. It's tough on the run, right? And it, it, it's got to be harder on the run than it is breaking out of prison. I think that's what we're learning right now. Breaking into prison, according to escape plan one and escape plan two, and probably escape plan three is super simple because you're breaking into prison. But breaking out of prison, getting free from prison, that's the hard part. Right, that that really is the uh, the absolute hard part, is 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 staying free. It seems like so. Who the Maze Prison, H M Prison Maze was the location of the biggest prison escape in British history. Well, listen, the Brits have been around for a, a lot longer and had a lot a lot more prisons to to go around for sure. September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. It's fairly recent. Thirty eight A I R A prisoners smashed their way out of a maximum security prison. Widely considered to be one of the most escape-proof prisons in Europe. 15-foot fences and 18-foot thick concrete walls topped with barbed wire encircled H-block and solid steel doors barreled all exits from the prison complex. Prisoners planned the escape over several months. Two accomplices, Bobby Story and Jerry Kelly, started work as orderlies to identify weaknesses in the system and six handguns were smuggled into the... Six handguns? You know how hard it is to get a gun in England, let alone then to get a gun into a prison? That's freaking crazy. Just after 2.30 p.m., the prisoners seized control by simultaneously taking the prison officers hostage and hijacking a lorry. That's a truck for those of you that don't speak British. Which was delivering food to the block. Officers in the gatehouse were also taken hostage and several attempts, after several attempts, the main gate was open, abandoning the lorry after a makeshift roadblock was set up by two cars just outside the prison, the prisoners escaped over a fence. The prison was made secure by 4.18 p.m., minus 38 prisoners. 20 prison officers were injured, and one died after suffering a heart attack during the escape. Holy shit. Goodness gracious. I'm telling you, man, it's strategy. Now, those guys only took a couple of months, and in a couple of months, they got stuff in, Right? They got they got they got what they needed in a b they got guns in that's crazy they the the timing right that the, the cyclical timing just the whole idea of timing was laid out for them and that that really worked to their advantage right I mean structure is great in prison right you you eat at this time you do, but it's also great for escape because you got that structure you know exactly when to break free just like when we talked about earlier right the structure. 
You want to break free from your prison, right? For, you know the structure of it. So you know what to build, you know where to excel, you know what to grow on, and you know what to go after. And then you know when to break free. Preferably, you break free after you get your bonus check, not the day before they're cutting bonus checks. You just have to know things, right? Structure. Hey, we get paid on the 15th. You know what? The last guy that quit on the 14th or gal that quit on the 14th, ooh, guess what? Crazy thing. They didn't get paid. Huh, that's weird. Or they didn't get their full amount or whatever it may be because they quit a day before paychecks. Get your money, son. Get your money, gal. Get it. Then escape. All right? Just listen. Feel, find the flow, the structure of the prison you're in. Have the strategy for how you're going to get out and make sure you get paid when you get out, especially if it's a job that you hate. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about prison. Okie dokie. All right, let's go to the last one. The absolute, the, the great escape. The great escape. We got about 20 minutes left of this film. We got the great escape here. Here we go. Devised by a squadron leader, Roger Bushel. In the spring of 1943, the great escape from prison, prisoner of war camp, Stalag Luft III occurred on the night of the 24th of March, 1944. The era of military time, right? Military. Military prison. This would be interesting. Because you gotta you don't know if it's a makeshift prison, you don't know if it's a prison turned into a military prison, but let's just assume it's fairly decent because it's a military prison. So Bushnell is the commander of the escape committee in the North Compound where the British airmen were housed. His great escape plan involved the building of the three bloody deep, bloody long tunnels. Underneath the camp fences, the tunnels were nicknamed Tom, Dick, and Harry. Fantastic. First of all, I love your ingenuity and good for you. I like your style. All right? So Tom, Dick, and Harry. If one of the tunnels was discovered by the Germans, it was presumed that they would never suspect two more might be underway. More than 600 prisoners were involved in the tunnel's construction. 600. Ooh, that's a lot of people. That's a loose lips sink ships, man. You got to be careful. Uh, with Bushnell aiming to get 200 prisoners to freedom, the tunnels were descended 30 feet below the surface and were only two and were only two foot square. The walls were shored up with pieces of wood which were mainly scavenged throughout the prison from the prison beds. That's crazy. Prison beds? No, oh, man. I'm not liking this. I'm not liking how this is going. I'm feeling like someone's going to die. Let me get some java. Mm-hmm. Okay. The prisoners were very inventive with their scavenged items. Tin cans became scoops and candle holders. Candles were fashioned from the fat of the top of the soup served in the camp. Oh, man. So that means... That means that the if they had like split pea soup and that ham fat and that bacon fat roast to the top and you're digging, you're digging in the smell of split pea soup. That's freaking crazy. Wow. I love it. The 200 potential escapees were divided into two groups. The first group of 100 called serial offenders were guaranteed a place and included prisoners who spoke German well or had a history of escapes. 70 of the men were chosen because they were considered to have contributed the most to the tunnels. The second group was chosen by drawing lots. On Friday, no, you're drawing lots. You're still once again assuming that if you didn't get your win, if you didn't get your W, what happened? What happened if you didn't get your W? You're going you're gonna to still be quiet because 200 other people are escaping? That's fucking crazy. So the attempt began on Friday, March 24th. At 10.30 p.m., 
the first man emerged out and discovered the tunnel had come up short. Rather than reaching into a nearby, rather than reaching into the nearby forest, the tunnel came out short of the tree line and perilously close to the guard tower. Whoa. Even so, 76 men crawled through the tunnel to freedom before the 77th was spotted by the guards at 4.55 a.m. on the 25th. Of the 76 initial escapees, 73 were captured. Hitler ordered half of the escapees to be executed as an example. Huh. Hold on. <coughs> Pardon my cough there. Hey there, um, folks. Those are the top 10 prison escapes. I'm going to say... The, uh, the the great escape, you know, unfortunately, you know, 73 recaptured. That means three only made it. Only three. Out of the 200, we got to 76 crawled out of the tunnel for freedom. The 77th was spotted. 73 were recaptured. So only three really made it. And that's considered the great. That's considered the great escape. Great they're using the word great, not the average escape, not the below average escape. I mean, folks, let's go back, right? Let's 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 just take a step back. Let's look at Ronnie Briggs, right? Ronald Arthur Briggs, big old Ron Ron. He did plastic surgery and he was on the run for 36 years. Now, mind you, he didn't have a lot of 600 people working and trying to get 200 people out. At which, by the way, you're still your grand dream. I don't know why this is the great escape. Your grand dream is 200 to get out. 76 really got out. 77th was spotted and only three of you actually stayed free. I'm sure to die in the war or some other bullshit. Come on, man. I mean, that's just, though, though I don't know why that's considered the great escape. I don't know. I'll never know why that. That, that is, that is, uh, that is greatly, greatly disappointing. I mean, folks, oh, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of failure. And that is the ultimate failure. I'm glad three lived, right? I'm sure there's a movie on it. Uh, I wish there would be two or three movies on it. Maybe if there was a shitty, shitty sequel, we'd add it to our summer of shitty sequels, right? Or shitty summer sequels. What do we like here? Do we like summer of shitty sequels or shitty summer sequels? I don't like the oven, so I'm going shitty summer sequels. S3, shitty summer sequels. And what happens in shitty summer sequels? We get the worst sequels. So here's the funny thing, right? Uh, the, the escape plan has this has this, uh, this melding, which they did in the first escape plan. So escape plan two has this melding where they're bringing computers, human in intuition and understanding and all together. But at the end day, like your failure point is still the person, even in the greatest. So Hades, this great, amazing structure, right? In the greatness of it, the robots doing everything, no real human interaction. What do you do? How do you get out? What's happening? They're resetting the computer, but it's still the fail point. There's still a fail point of the person. And it's because of the person's mind and how they think and how they think and what they do. Right. So he is gassing him. He's getting ready. And, and you've, you, you've got this. OK, Hades is back. These guys are never escaping. Why? Because of his mind and how he thinks. But they know him best. He designed this prison. He designed. He let the technology work. Right. So the technology works. Things happen or don't happen. But it's based on his philosophy and his theory. 
So in understanding philosophy and theory, what you do get and what you need to understand is that still goes back to a person. And that's, that's where he's going to lose, man. Because you, you've got A, the ones and zeros, they can only do so much. They can be influenced by you, but they can only do so much. So you get the best hackers, which our escape plan boys got, which are creepy albino dudes. Hey, man, you are not looking healthy, bro. Creepy albino dudes, A, hacking, doing crazy stuff, right? Then you've got, you've got, you've got people fighting them off because they've got to do their hacking. So you have creepy albino dudes, and they're, just, they're dealing with the ones and zeros. That's all they're doing, the ones and zeros. And they've got it. Then you got Sly and his team, and they know the guy behind it. They know the man, the myth, the legend, the person who pretended to be a prisoner who is now in there behind it, right? They know him. And in knowing him, they know, they know where his weaknesses are. So that's the whole point of it. I mean, I think the whole point of this movie, if I were to break it down, before, you know, we're not ending right now, but if I'm gonna break it down, the whole point of this movie. Is, is is it's not human weakness as much as it's just it's it's humanities itself it's it's our it's our wins and our losses that our our flaws help us succeed that also our flaws help us do exactly what we need who we are and 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 they they make us strong but they can also make us weak right and you have to understand in your flaws and who you are and what you do are they make are you making yourself strong or are you making yourself weak are you highlighting your strengths? But also, more importantly, are you ignoring your weaknesses? Right? You know, the, the, the one thing you, you find in people, whether it's in business or whether it's in anything else, entrepreneurs do this a lot, right? They, they really run after their strengths. They really go after those things that, that, that celebrate them. But what that does is that makes their weaknesses glaringly obvious. And, and super, super vulnerable in certain areas. Now you have two options, right? You can hire people around you to cover those weaknesses and, 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 and really protect you. Or more importantly, you can do that and work on those weaknesses and make yourself better. Make yourself the person of who you want to be and what you want to do, right? You can, you can be full circle. And not saying you're ever going to be perfect, but just saying that the misgivings of your weaknesses are, are never going to shine in that way. They're never going to push in a way that that you can't you can't get there. Does that make sense? Right? I mean, you've just you've, you've got to you got to figure out in this world of weaknesses in everything that's happening. You really do have to figure out what's going on. And where are your weakest? And you have to figure out how hard you want to work to stop those weaknesses, right? I mean, you know, in this movie, the guy, he just, he never, his arrogance never left him. And as in his arrogance never leaving him, in that, in that never happening, where do we get? Well, quite simply, we got to where we're at where people are escaping. And they're escaping rather easily. Because, I mean, not easily, but they're escaping a, an un, unescapable prison. And Why? Because it's him. It's him. It's, it's like this final fight scene where the guy's got the knife. He is showing his moves. And the other gentleman is so calm, not because he can't, not because he has a weapon or doesn't have a weapon. It's not about that. It's about him understanding his limited moves based on the knives that he has versus his ultimate moves based on the freedom that he has, right? And, there, and, there, and that is the positive negative aspect of life that you get to look at. 
you can look and go, okay, I have a positive here or a negative here. Oh my goodness, I don't always gonna do that. Whoo, flip, if, dip, trip, flip, fantasia. But you can look at it as going, you know what, I, I don't have knives, so I'm going to lose. Or you can look at it as, I don't have knives, so I am not limited in how I can attack. In fact, I can attack differently because him having knives, his mind is only looking at the fact that I'm attacking because I have knives, right? So it seems like an advantage when really that weapon can be a, can be a big disadvantage because you're limiting your attack and your scope of how you want to see A, your enemy, and B, yourself. So in all of those things, in everything like that, right? Man, the beauty, the simplicity of understanding a simple world, the simplicity in going after and seeing something where instead of it being a negative, being a positive because of something you don't have, I don't have all the technology, I don't have this. Yeah, but you're also not limited by all that technology. You're also not limited by those things. You know, it, <clears throat> we, we joke around and talk about, okay, the family man can't restart his business, right? And that's true. It's, it's just more difficult because of the responsibilities that you may or may not have and the debt you may or may not have and the runway you may or may not have and the change that you want to do, correct? But in the same time, think of all the advantages. Think of all the extra support that you have that the single person doesn't have. Think of, think of all the things that, that you can do. Think of all the strategies that you can take. Think of, think of all the risks you can have because of, your, your, because of your years of understanding people and knowing people and the network that you've developed. So instead of looking at the negative, look at the positive. Instead of looking at what you don't have <clears throat> as, a, as a bad thing, look at what you don't have as a good thing because, because it allows your mind to be more free. It allows you to go after and access more tools or maybe you are just the tool. But you being the tool, you are a universal tool. You are going to see and do things that others just can't see and do. And that's fascinating. That's amazing. Where else can that be done? I mean, only in your brain, sucker. Only in your brain. Don't limit yourself because you see what someone else has. Look at that what someone else has, especially if they're relying on it, especially if they're relying on it. If they are just holding on to that, that's great because that means they've limited themselves. When you look at your competition in business, when you look at the people and what's going on, understand quite simply that they have limited themselves. And in limiting themselves, what they've really done is just, whoo, man, they don't see what's coming. They're not going to see you because all they want to see is them. All they want to see is the one power play that they have. And all you have to do, you don't have to devise a power play against theirs. You just get to use all your weapons, all of them. And that's you, that's your team, and that's the the diversification and and the vulnerability the honesty and the direction of everything that happens it's amazing you know <clears throat> as we get to the end here sorry let me clear my throat let me, let me drink a water and clear my throat here hold on that's butter coffee mm. yeah gets you right it gets you a little bit clogs up the throat you know you got the final fight scene with the young man and Sly Stallone and they are just there in the center and they are just duking it out man they're just duking it out. And I don't know if anyone's been in a real fight before, but let me tell you something. 
these Duke outs don't really happen like this. But we already discussed that with um, with the uh, with the bullets, right? We already discussed that with the bullets. But I'll tell you what, these guys horrible technique, you know, or and some good technique, but mostly mostly horrible horrible technique. Oh man, Sly's got him in the with the, the neck breaker. It's the neck breaker. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? That's right. Just oh man, <clears throat> it's like a it's like a crucifix and snap. Oh man, he did not let him serve his time. He served his time by breaking his neck. That is rough, 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 rough. Uh, so. Whew, well, that's rough. So they've broken out of prison. They're out. They've killed the technology. They are, they're free, if you will, but they've also, they're freeing the other people. They're free of the dead weight. They're, 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 it, more importantly, if you really want to look at this, right? If you really, really want to look at this, they've understood their team better. They've understood themselves better. And in breaking out of prison, what they've really done is they've broken out of a mold of, of, of probably who they thought they were. Right, one man went and did it on his own to protect his brother. Now a group has gone in on their own to protect themselves. And there he is. Look at him climbing out, just climbing out, climbing out of a church. What a beautiful redemptive sight! How dare they call this a shitty sequel? Shitty summer sequels. This is I don't know, man. Listen, I I like this movie. I like this movie when I first saw it. I like it now. I like that he comes out. I like that there's a weird grate in the middle of the uh, of this beautiful of this beautiful church. More importantly, I like the redemptive, the rebirth side. Uh, you know, you've got the resurrection of Christ. You've got this Catholic Church. You've got the big cross in the background, and they are coming through and they are being reborn at a church. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty pretty awesome. So there you go, folks. There it is. Escape Plan Two. Hades, here comes, here they come, man. They're reborn, they're back. Now it's time for your favorite part of this podcast. Your favorite, favorite part. Where my daughter sings about the first time she took a poop. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you guys. Be good. Thanks for the time. And uh, yeah, escape from your prison. Escape from your prison. All right. Talk to you soon with the shitty summer sequels. Woo! I'm so excited. All right, here's my daughter. She's thinking about a shit. Bye.